All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Can you see Did you know Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. They have got you covered for all of your trading card needs. They've got a lot of giveaways and stuff if you go on their social media, so go follow them, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Zephyr Epic. However, our favorite part about Zephyr Epic is that they ship free anywhere in Canada, Canada-wide shipping on any order over $50 from... A little dramatic pause there. That's right. 
Pause for effect. From Port Alberni to Point Claire, Quebec, or Point Claire, Quebec. Wow. You even said Quebec. Yeah. Well, that's how you say it. Population of Point Claire, 31,380. But here's, here's the kicker. You know, I like my little tidbits about the cities. The mayor of Point Claire, Tim Thomas. Yeah, is the mayor of Point Claire, Quebec. Is he even Canadian? It's not like the actual Tim Thomas. It's just the same. It's a pretty common name. <laughs> well, it might be. I didn't do my research. No, no, in no, depth. no. I, I shouldn't have uh, fallen for that one. It's not. Yeah, it's not the goaltender. 2011 Tim Thomas. Well, the way you said it, this is a hockey podcast. I, I, I defended myself. It's just an one. interesting mayor. It's not. It doesn't have a French name like a lot of uh, Quebec mayors. I expect do. Yeah, you know what I'm going to be doing lately. Tim Thomas. Okay. You know what I'm going to be doing more of lately? What's that? Pausing for effect. I was listening to a podcast. Uh, no free ads, so I won't say who it was. But they were actors on the podcast, and they were saying they're acting coaches. And I know we're not acting, but you know I was a child actor. I yeah. like to remind everybody of that. You know, you pause for effect. You get in the part every time. If you're in an audition, and man, my acting career probably would have been a little more successful if I had that advice early on. Because you just pause for effect, you say a big line, leave them hanging, and then you deliver it. That didn't make much sense. Speaking of delivery. Oh, good segue. We're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. (laughs) Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Guadrelli. It should be a full episode of pausing for effect. That wouldn't be a good uh, thing to do the whole episode, probably. Is there a metaphor in there that suggests the Canucks paused for effect? They paused their winning streak for effect? Because that's what we're going to talk about. My name is David Gudrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, wearing a shiny Xbox shirt. Brand new shirt. Never seen that one before. Brand new shirt. Say. Huh. It's a I nice ordered, one. Uh, well, I did. I screwed up and I ordered a, a Dave Chappelle shirt right before he all these things that he said came out. And then I ordered it from you Old You mean Navy. on his latest special? Yeah, on his latest spe- I didn't. I don't know. I didn't watch a special, yeah, yeah. but pause for effect. Um and then it came like then the shirt showed up. This shirt randomly showed up, same size. Oh, you were telling me this. But I guess they just took the Chappelle shirts off of the website, like probably like the day of or the, within me ordering the shirt and them delivering it. So I got this Xbox shirt instead, and I still haven't worn it yet. So this is the first time wearing this shirt. Fits nice, pretty cool. Little silver metallic Xbox. Girlfriend thinks it's stupid. She hates this shirt. She thinks it's dumb that I'm a grown-ass man wearing an Xbox shirt, but I like it, and I think it looks good. You were in a Canucks Army hat, too, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I wore that to uh, the Seas game last night. Oh, yeah, okay. So, first of all, I already did I introduce you yet? I yeah, feel like I, I so, didn't yeah. say your name, but Chris Faber, Dave Quadrelli. Chris Faber, you went to the Canadians game last night while I slaved away watching uh, the Senators game. I'm sure you caught up. You know what's going on, so well, we'll have I a watched, good episode. Uh, but tell me about the Canadians game. Yeah, I had the uh, Sportsnet Now going the whole game, so I was Attaboy. watching watching the game there. Uh, yeah, we need to get some better seats next time. Like, I had front row seats. The problem was the front row seats were directly behind where all of Eugene's uh, coaching staff was standing the whole time. So I didn't see a batter basically the whole game, like until the coaches would like move. And then even when they, you know, moved around, they would sit right in front of us. So like little hot tip, 
do not get front row seats at a C's game, especially in this little spot that we were right beside the dugout. But good atmosphere in there. It was a lot of fun to, to get to the home opener. I, I've never been to a Vancouver Canadiens game, but it was fun to watch that. I ended up watching uh, the Canucks game most of the time anyway, so I couldn't see what was going on with the baseball game. So. Was it near sold out? There was a lot of people in there. It wasn't like sold out jam packed. It was Tuesday night. It was cold. Everybody had their blankets and stuff mm. like that. So I think it'll it'll get better in the summer. But because it's a longer season this year with, I think, 66 home games, something like that. Uh, so a lot more home games uh, out there at the Nat. But it was good to get out there and uh, and see some folks and enjoy a little bit of baseball, even though I was watching hockey most of the most of the game. I got to get out to a Canadian game. I was supposed to go, with, go to that one with you, but mm-hmm. then we realized there was a Cox game that we have duties that we have to take care of those back-to-backs they sneak up on you they do they really do okay let's talk about that game last night because chris this episode is going to be called crunch time dot 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 dramatic pause for effect maybe maybe it'll just be called crunch time we're not exactly sure right now but tuesday night's game vancouver canucks ottawa senators canucks really looking like they were in the driver's seat the first two periods especially that second period i know they didn't score a goal in fact they gave up a goal but it really looked like the Senators were just surviving that period, right? Like, they were they were hanging on by a thread. Um, Jaroslav Halak was great in the first period. I thought he played fantastic. Uh, and then Thatcher Demko comes in cold and potentially dealing with some sort of illness. Um, obviously, Spencer Martin was recalled uh, just a couple hours before the game. And then the recall was canceled uh, because Demko decided he was good to go. Uh, and then Halak, obviously, everybody saw what happened with his hand, uh, upper body injury, it looks like, for Halak, um, leaves after the first period. That's a tough blow for Halak. Yeah, and Halak looked like he was playing pretty well. I know he got his uh, his season save percentage up to 9.03, so unfortunately, if he would have kept playing well throughout that game, would have earned himself that 250K bonus, but it looks like he'll sit at 9.03 and potentially won't play another game this year. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, but with Spencer Martin now up with the squad, he might even get a game depending on what happens with the Canucks uh, playoff chances here late into the season. But yeah, Demko and you could hear it. Obviously there's some frustration from Bruce Boudreaux, as I'm sure you heard uh, him drop an F bomb. And during the, uh, during the media availability, wasn't too happy about the questions so much about Demko, but like you said, he was well enough to play. He was well enough to, to be on the bench. I'm curious to think like, do you think it was just, hey, are you good enough to just sit on the bench for the game? Was that something that they asked? Because I don't think you would ask your goaltender to do that with Spencer Martin there, who was uh, at the game in the arena. Spencer Martin was there, could have been the backup for that game. So I have to believe that Demko could have was asked at least, you know, hey, if something happens, we are going to need to go to you. Something did happen and Demko went in. And yeah, I mean, it. it it, it is what it is, right? Like we all saw what happened last night and the three goals against Demko aren't great. He loses in the shootout to Adam Gaudet. Unfortunately, Gaudet knows his number and talked to, you know, Ian Clark about how to beat Thatcher Demko in the past is something that Adam Gaudet mentioned. Um, so it is what it is, man. Like it, I think a lot of people saw the video of, of Thatcher Demko, like sort of heaving at the bench uh, that was going around Reddit the other day. And, yeah. I don't think he's a hundred percent, but he obviously was good enough to be able to play. And I don't think that's too much of a problem to ask him to step in. Obviously he didn't have a tremendous performance in his relief appearance with the Vancouver Canucks, but I don't think it's too much to worry about with Demko. Yeah. And I just want to add Bruce Boudreaux did say post game uh, that there's no illness to Demko uh, that he's not sick. So do with that what you will. Um, as you pointed out, there was the video of him puking at the bench. Uh, 
on that Monday night game. So something to keep in mind going forward is that, yes, Jaroslav Halak is not going to get that bonus as far as we know. Sitting in the 903, as you said, now out with an injury, hand injury uh, is what the team is saying. One thing I wanted to point out about that game, Chris, before we move on is just almost a bit of a broader picture thing. And this was also pointed out by Thomas Drance on Twitter, but the Myers OEL pairing was the only pairing that outshot and outscored the opposition. Or no, excuse me. They outshot and outscored the opposition, and when every other pairing was on the ice, it was bad. Like, they got outshot like 20-15. to 15. Uh, They gave up two goals, and obviously the Myers-OEL pairing scored a goal um, and had one scored against them. But it really just shows you, like, look, I love Luke Shen, right? But you really need to go get a right-handed defense partner for Quinn Hughes. Like, you can't... You can't come into next year saying, oh, well, Shen Shen can play top four minutes again. Like, no, that's a huge ask that Shen, for the most part, has been up to the task for. But you you just, you can't come into next year with that mentality. You, you come into next year with the mentality of, okay, we have Travis Dermott, we have Jack Rathbone battling for that third pair spot. Dermott might move to the right side and make Shen more of a 6-7, a which is what he's kind of supposed to be on this team, right? Um, but you have to view Shen as, okay, here's this really solid third pairing guy who can step up to the top four in a pinch. You cannot pencil him in to the side with Quinn Hughes. Like you, you cannot do that when you're planning this roster for next year. This blue line needs work. Oh, absolutely. I think Shen going in to be a third pairing guy is a good upgrade to the team because that means that you have a better option for Quinn Hughes right now. He's the best option. Like he's been the best option all season long. You know, he's been better than Hamannick, better than Pullman. He's the guy who deserves to be in the lineup on a nightly basis. It will be interesting to see what happens down the road because I, I think Shen would work with both Dermot or Rathbone. Whether whichever of those two wins the job, you know, Dermot could end up being the seven guy. Shen can end up being the seven guy. Then you're looking pretty good at the bottom end of your defense core. But to make that possible, it's the toughest part is finding that guy for Quinn Hughes. And that's going to be very difficult to find a player who can step right in next season. Like I, I can see a world where Luke Shen is his partner next year to start the season. Like I think Shen and Hughes will be playing together to start next year because I don't think they're going to be able to find the guy who steps right in game one and is Hughes's partner. I think they can find a prospect or a, a guy, you know, in the realm of 20 to 23 who can maybe do it a year or two down the road. But it wouldn't shock me to see another year of Shannon Hughes as partners and being the top four. And I know that's not ideal. I just don't know if they're going to be able to find the perfect guy for Quinn Hughes. And maybe they're able to get a right D who is like a for sure top four guy. Like Jan Rude is the guy that I think of like not to trade for because but that's the type of player you need. A guy who's sufficient enough to play with your number one left shot defenseman like it is with Victor Hedman down there in Tampa and a guy that can just do that for Quinn Hughes because you're right like you need a little bit better of a puck mover. You need someone who can capitalize on having so much extra ice when you play with Quinn Hughes. It's a simple right shot guy, right? Like it's someone who's going to calm the waters, but also be able to move the puck quite well. I think you need to find a prospect or two. Like I said on the last episode, I think you need two. I think you need two right D prospects to build two down the road. And I would look towards that more than I would about a guy who can step right in next year. Who's 24 to 26 right now. And is, you know, going to be that guy for Quinn Hughes right now, next season game one. Like, I don't think that should be the, the main goal for this team to build for and use their draft capital to trade for. 
they they need to get the prospects. So it wouldn't shock me to see Luke Shen be his partner to start in game one next year again. I know it's not ideal, but yeah. I'd rather trade for the prospect and than the guy who's doing it right now because it's, if you're trading for a right D who's going to come play with Quinn Hughes, you're giving up a ton. That might be what you do in the Miller trade. Like you're getting that plus a couple yeah, that's picks what I was and prospects. Say. It depends what you give up, right? Because, but but the thing is, right? Like let's just say you're trading Miller, right? And let's say it's New York and Braden Schneider, who's been very firmly off the table in New York. Let's say New York is like, okay, we'll give you Braden Schneider, but obviously you're not also going to get a good right defense partner to play with Hughes right now. Yeah. Can Braden Schneider play with Hughes right now? Like my question to you, Chris is if they get this prospect, can they afford to do the reverse Jack Rathbone and just kind of rush him a little bit? Cause he's going to be playing with Hughes. Yeah. I mean, maybe I think that's the thing. I think some people believe that like, it's a difficult role to go into, to be a top, you know, the top of your team's right defense depth chart. It's a tough spot to find that player, but I don't think it's a tough role to play with Quinn Hughes. Like to excel with Quinn Hughes, that's tough, right? But to play with him, like Luke Shen can do it. We've seen Travis Hammond do a fight, like an okay job, I guess, of doing it in the past. We've seen Chris Tanev be able to do it in the past. Like it's not like it's super difficult to play with a guy that good. But it's difficult to excel with a player like that who's that good. And I think that's the problem that you're looking for. That's why, to me, you want to get two prospects that you can hope and build towards kind of down the road to be the partner. And you said maybe you can rush one of them a little bit to play with Quinn Hughes because it's not like, well, I don't know, actually, because it is it is a tough thing to ask, you know, a 22-year-old guy to go out and play that many minutes at five on five. But when you have Quinn Hughes, who's developed defensively, is already so good at moving the puck. It's not like you're asking them to do a ton on that pairing. Even though they're playing a lot of minutes, you're not asking them to be the primary puck mover. You're just asking them to keep things simple and let Quinn Hughes work. And yeah, like you could probably rush a guy into that spot a little bit if you have to, but that's what I would look. I'm still looking towards prospects more than a a 24 year old guy right now for that role. Very fair. Okay. Let's move on to the standings because Chris, as you and I talked about, it is crunch time right now. There is a race going on for that third spot in the Pacific Division. Now, with the Canucks, that win, if they had had a win last night against Ottawa, that was a valuable win. Like, that was something you didn't want to lose, if only because it was the Ottawa Senators that you were playing, right? Like, I saw people on Twitter making pretty good points and saying, like, you know, it's fun to believe, but good teams don't lose to the Ottawa Senators, right? And, right. you know... I, I'm, you know, obviously there's no easy game in the NHL. Like we see Tampa get wiped by the Ottawa Senators, Florida. There was that time in December that that happened. Um, but with the Vancouver Canucks right now, currently sitting five point back, five points back of the LA Kings with a game in hand. LA has a really soft schedule from here on out, Chris. They only have four games left, but it's against the Chicago Blackhawks, the Anaheim Ducks, Seattle Kraken, and their last game of the season is on Thursday, the 28th against the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, it's like, I know we were kind of talking about before we started recording here, it could set up a really, really fun back-to-back with the Kings and the Oilers. To well, kind of yeah, because like, like, like you just alluded to, the Canucks play their last game of the season on the 29th against Edmonton. It is basically, like you could almost call it like a six-point swing, right? With that back-to-back, because the Canucks, if they beat the Kings outright, no overtime. 
that's a four point game right there to kind of gain. And then you kind of set yourself up when we were mentioning it, like there's a way that the Kings can still win a couple games, but the Canucks can win that game against the Kings to be like, to put them in a spot where they just need to win against that Edmonton game. First things first, they need to take care of business. The Canucks need to take care of business here on this road trip. And listen, not an easy road trip either. You're going to Minnesota. You're going to Calgary. These are two teams that are are strong teams. And I don't like the way the Canucks match up against the Wild. Especially with what the Wild are going to be able to do with their depth versus the Canucks' depth right now, which is obviously being tested quite a bit. You know, Sheldon Dry is getting time in overtime and and just kind of everything that's going on in the Canucks' bottom six. Like, I never thought I'd say it's going to be really nice to have Chase on back here, you know, like to, to boost what they have in their top six to help the depth through through the additions to their top of the lineup and move players down again. They're going to be massively tested on these next two games, and they're going to need to be strong. And not only that, but the goaltending, like, they've they've played well enough this Canucks team over the last few games last basically two weeks where they've been like the better team throughout not just like JT Miller stealing a whole game or you know Quinn Hughes being excellent on the power play getting things going or or Thatcher Demko stealing some games you're gonna almost need that over these next two games like you are going to need one of these Thatcher Demko wins you the game he's 100% your MVP you're gonna probably need that in at least one of these two against the Flames and Wild maybe even both like you're going to need Thatcher Demko to be at his best in these two games that are going to lead you into the massive finish to the end of the season. But that's a lot to ask, but it's almost like, you know, if Demko's your MVP, you kind of almost have the expectation of him to be your MVP in these most important games of the season. Though it's a lot to ask for him to steal two games, you almost need it. Like you need Demko to be on his game here uh, over these next two games on this road trip because it's, it's massive. It's massive games if you think this team gets to the playoffs and there is a way for them to get to the playoffs. It's going to be on the backs of their best players. So you need big games from JT Miller. You need big games from Elias Pettersson. You need big games from, I think, most importantly, Thatcher Demko here, who should be the team MVP. I know I've said that I think Quinn Hughes is in the conversation for MVP, and I think that's from his steady play. Like he steadily, to me, is the most most important player on this Canucks team for, you know, moving possessions the right way, uh, playing good defense, being able to move the puck in the offensive zone, extend possessions, all that stuff. But he doesn't single-handedly win you games like Thatcher Demko does. Thatcher Demko needs to single-handedly win you at least one of these two games against the Wild and the Flames. So there's a little bit of news here about the draft lottery that I want to get to. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to it on the other side. On the other side, we'll have our poll question. Uh, we will get to this draft lottery info. And I know it, it's funny. We just talked about playoffs and we're just quickly switching to draft lottery. But we'll, we'll get to the poll question. Then we'll talk about the draft lottery. And then we'll quickly finish up with more talk and, and more breaking down of what this playoff push actually means for the Canucks. So keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. And before we go any further into the episode, I want to give a shout out to Parallel 49 Brewing. You guys can find Parallel 49 beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now we want to give a quick shout out to the Unparalleled Pack featuring four of the P49 favorites. The Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerkface 9000, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite of the four there, the Jerkface 9000, the Pink Can. Something good about those cans there at Parallel 49. So go out and try them. You can find them in most liquor stores across BC and Alberta. 
And a massive thank you to Parallel 49 Brewing Company for sponsoring the podcast. Chris, it is time for our poll question. Our episode 255 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgdfs.com and use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of the best fresh pork rinds that come straight out of your microwave or air fryer. Locally owned, female owned company located in Surrey. Little salt and uh, vinegar you put on there. Yep. Salt and vinegar. What else? What else is what's another? Any any popcorn seasoning we were told. And you know what? Tell you what. I have dill pickle seasoning mm-hmm. at home, and I really like it on popcorn, obviously. But you're gonna have to try it on the on the pop rinds. You, you gotta get them when they're fresh out of the air fryer too. I haven't. Well, they had... still got a little, still hot oil on it, you know, because you spray yeah. them with a little bit of that oil spray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's what you do. You hit them with I, that right after. I haven't had the original flavor yet. I've only had bacon. See, I haven't had the bacon one. Bacon's really. I good. have it. I haven't tried it yet. I've just been going through the bacon bag. is really good. I'm trying to go through one bag at a time. Yeah, that's what I'm doing too, but yeah. we did opposite. So that's good that we've tried both. Yeah, you get a pretty good size too. Like the bag looks small and someone like messaged me. They're like, oh, it's only uh, 355 milligrams or whatever it is. They're like, am I going to finish this in one sitting? I'm like, Ooh. no, not even close. Like you feel Well, you got to be like, careful when you put them in the air fryer too. Yeah. They blow up a lot. Yeah, you need to put like one eighth of a cup and you've got a, like a whole serving. It's yeah, crazy. Check them out. We got, uh, I think I tagged them in the tweet today too. So you can check out uh, all their information there on the Twitter account and check out their social media. A bunch of... Uh, how-to videos as well on their Instagram, so you can find all that there. Pork rind nachos. Tell you what. Yeah, I don't step, know about it. Step too far it. for me. Yeah. Step too far for me, but go check out atlasgds.com, promo code CC15. Chris, our poll question today, has Tanner Pearson won you over this season? Right now, he's worth his 3.25 mil, leading the vote with 43%. Our wow. other options are, yes, he's underrated, no, he's overpaid, and I'm angry. In second is no, he's overpaid. I must say, Chris, I'm surprised to see people voting this and saying that Tanner Pearson is overpaid. I don't think he's overpaid, but I think it is okay to look at the type of player Tanner Pearson is, not an exceptionally fast skater, right? And say that the Canucks shouldn't have dished out that contract. I think you can still say that, while still recognizing that he's played well. I'm not sure if that's the thought process of the people saying, no, he's overpaid is. Personally, I say he's worth his 3.25. Yeah, I mean, second lowest shooting percentage of his career this season, and he's still got 31 even strength points, right? Like, this isn't a guy who's getting points off of the power play. He's got three points all season on the power play, 31 at 5-on-5. You need five on five scoring and at 3.25, like to see that he's got 34 points in 68 games. I mean, if you're paying someone 3.25, probably just a little bit steep. Like if, if Tanner Pearson's making 2.5, you're happy. You're super happy. And maybe that's what he should be making. If it wasn't that contract that Jim Benning gave out to him at the trade deadline, which didn't make a lot of sense. Cause I don't think anyone was going to pay, Tanner Pearson, that type of money on that type of term, even in free agency, once he became a free agent. So that contract might be a little bit steep, but I, but like he has won me over quite a bit about always being a player who does things the right way at five on five, moving the puck in the right direction, being strong on boards, being able to play with different players. We obviously have seen a lot of success in the past with Bo Horvat and most recently with JT Miller as well. So he's versatile. He's a guy who's won a veteran presence, gets along with everyone in the room. 
At three point two five, I don't know if it's an overpayment. I think it still is. Like I do think it's a little bit of an overpayment, but it's not as much as I thought it was before. Like he has won me over in his time in Vancouver now. And to think about it, next year will be the fifth season where he's been around Vancouver. Like he's been a guy who's been here for a while. It doesn't feel like it because he's not a, a loud name in the market, but to quietly be putting up on on pace for nearly twenty goals at making three point two five, like it's not the worst. It definitely isn't the worst. I don't. I think I'm in the camp of of answering with with the majority on this one. Where it's like, yeah, he's a little overpaid, but he's almost worth that three point two five million dollars. Like he plays top six minutes, and he's been a positive player at five on five this year. Doesn't take a lot of penalties. Like I, I don't know. I, I I think that Tanner Pearson's kind of won me over the last little bit here about how consistent he's always been with the Canucks. Absolutely. I, I think it really comes down to how you evaluate the team, right? And I think it's a similar thought process to, uh, you know, when people were criticizing the JT Miller trade, saying the Canucks aren't in a position to be going all in here. Um, you know, the OEL Garland trade. Again, like, I don't think there's many people who would say that Garland is overpaid, except for Eastern executives trying to get Connor Garland on their team. But... You can still look at that player, Connor Garland, and say the Canucks really shouldn't have traded for this guy. And not only just because it came with OEL, but because the Canucks should be kind of looking toward the future a little more, I think is what a lot of people think of. And again, that's how that's what I mean when you when I say you don't have to think he's overpaid, but it does depend on how you evaluate the team, right? Like if you're one of those people that thinks the Canucks shouldn't be uh, going out and getting stuff for the here and now, they should be getting futures. And I'm definitely not necessarily one of those people, although I think it's safe to say you would undo the OEL Garland trade if you had a chance. I think it just depends how you evaluate the team. And right now, I evaluate them and say Tanner Pearson is good. Like, Tanner Pearson's a good player and doesn't hurt this team at that number. Got some good replies to the the poll question as well. Andy's got one here. Um, Complicated question. This year, he's earned his contract. Problem is, this is a really good point that he has two more years left on the contract, right? Like he's 29. Is he going to be the same player at 31? Maybe, you know, like maybe he's a guy who's around for this, but I'm curious with Tanner Pearson. Now, if there's any sort of return for him, this off season, that's of relevance, like, you know, if a second comes on the table for Tanner Pearson, you probably take that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like in a heartbeat. And, you know what? It's interesting that you say a second in particular because there were a lot of reports that that was exactly what teams were going to trade for him uh, before they signed him to that contract. We got another reply here. This is from Garland's mustache said, "I'll go on because I love to." Uh, you know, he was he was pointing out a few different things. This is the third tweet he made. First, he uh, he said he's got more points than Pacioretty. Uh, he <laughs> brought up Connor McDavid's points per game, uh, and then the value. And then finally, he said, guys, he's tied or above in points per game with William Carlson, J.G. Peugeot, uh, Natchez, sorry, Jonathan Taze, Paul Mary, Hoffman, Dustin Brown. A lot of guys having down years, but a lot of big names that you know. My so. favorite reply from Garland's mustache is McDavid has 1.47 points per games played. Pearson has 0.5, 3.2 versus 12.5 million. Conclusion, Pearson provides more value than McDavid, and he smiles more. <laughs> So obviously a huge Tanner Pearson uh, fan here. I'm surprised that's not Pearson's mustache. Uh, yeah, this is mustache. Tanner Pearson's dad <laughs> replying to us. Yeah, but no, I mean, like, at 3.25, you don't hate it. It's not the worst thing in the world. But as Andy mentioned in his reply, 
there are two more years left. Like this contract just started this year and to have still be able to have the discussion on if it's worth it or not. And knowing that there's more years down the road, there should be a little bit of a worry there, but so far he's been able to be a guy who's fit into your top six when you need it. If you can push him into your third line, then it's like, eh, I'm going to be paying him too much. But if he brings enough offense at five on five, there's some worth there for sure. Absolutely. And since we're reading replies, I'll read the last one. This is from uh, Matt new 15. I've always thought that Tanner Pearson was a great fit for the Canucks. While he may not be the highest point producer, or the best puck handler, he brings a healthy balance of offense and defense to every line he's on. Last season, he led the Canucks in third period scoring and only seems to improve as the years go on. He's the Canucks Swiss Army knife, a jack of all trades, and I hope the new management group doesn't make the mistake of trading him. Now, Chris, on the topic of replies and stuff, I think we're going to get a text line or a phone line because we've got some exciting stuff for the show next year. I think we should get one of those voicemails, you know, where you get voicemails and you hear them on the show. Well, yeah, I mean... We'll work on some things. Obviously, some exciting stuff, next, stuff in the uh, background. next year. New studio in the next uh, couple months here or so. We'll figure that out in the summertime here. But uh, yeah, we'll, be, we'll have a text line, I think, for sure. Because I'm hoping somehow maybe do some live stuff. I don't know if we'll do it every day, but we'll have some live stuff. We'll have some text lines. We'll get all that going. That'll be fun. Yeah. And Tyler Pearson, obviously, uh, should article call out right now. This coming out on Wednesday morning, afternoon, probably, that we'll be releasing this. Uh, there's an article right now at CanucksArmy.com by uh, Noah Strang, who's been uh, been an absolute rock for us at uh, Canucks Army lately. Have you read some of Noah's stuff? That's your new favorite there, eh, he's, Noah? He's, yeah, I'm sorry. Stefan's getting, uh, well, was good getting uprooted. I, now, you're, you. now you're third on the list. Yeah, right. No, I've seen, I've seen what the, the Reader's Choice people said about Stefan <laughs> and his w- whatever happens on Wednesday or whatever it's called. They gave uh, scouting with favor over that. So they take did. that, Stefan. You yeah. might be Dave's favorite, but I know the, the readers where their loyalty lays. <laughs> scouting with favor, number one, ran people away. do like scouting with favor. And so do I. Like, it's hard to We'll hard get to back disagree. to it. We'll get back to one soon. I'm excited for your uh, your much-anticipated return to Canucks Army. That'll be good. Yeah, soon. I wrote, uh, wrote an article for the Vancouver Canucks. Probably out by the time this episode gets posted, actually. So that'll be out. Uh, check that out on uh, Canucks.com. What's it about? About the Abbotsford Canucks. Oh, good. Which is funny because... <laughs> so... The, the Vancouver Canucks asked me to write an article about the Abbotsford Canucks for the Vancouver Canucks website. And then the Abbotsford Canucks asked me to write an article for the AHL.com about the Abbotsford Canucks. So I'm basically writing the exact same article for Canucks.com and then AHL.com because both are about getting into the playoffs in their inaugural season. So very easy work for me. Getting uh, two of almost the exact same article done. A couple tweaks here and there. Uh, but I did talk to Patrick Alvine, which was uh, a good little sit down with him. We chatted a little bit about uh, Abbotsford. Uh, didn't get to do it in person. Sent him the questions. Got him to answer it that way. So I guess I didn't technically talk to him. Uh, but he talked to me through <laughs> through uh, the Canucks PR and uh, gave some answers about the Abbotsford Canucks. You see that in the article um, that'll be on Canucks.com today on uh, what is it Wednesday? Wednesday today. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. We're only at 34 minutes. Do we have much more to talk about? Like, I mean, it, it's almost like a hurry up and wait, right? Like that's, right. you know, and we always joke that that's half of our jobs is just waiting for stuff and waiting for players to come to the podium and stuff. But like, can the Canucks actually do this, Chris? Like Thursday against the Wild. Right. Saturday against the Flames. Those are the two games. Like if they lose one of those games, it's over. They have to run the table. And even if they do, we've already broken it down. 
They need the LA Kings to lose some games too. It is. It's pretty wild to watch the Vancouver Canucks be able to play this well. Like, listen, I know they played Ottawa last night, but now that they're going up against these actual strong teams in the NHL without Bo Horvat, without Niels Huglander, without Tanner Pearson, you know, without Halak potentially for the last little bit, the Canucks are a team that should not be winning these type of games unless there's something special about the group. And it feels like there's something special with this team. Like, they're missing their captain. They're missing Niels Huglander brings a lot of offense at five on five. They're getting players back now. Like you're excited to see chase on come back in the lineup. Brock Besser has scored a couple times since he's come back. Like it's crazy that they're going in with this without, you know, while missing their most important players. It isn't that such like Canucks way of happening. It's like just when they get themselves into a legitimate chance of potentially actually being in a race, that's when these injuries come back up. And it's tough. Like, they need to win their last little bit here. And actually, we got JT Miller from the podium last night that I wouldn't mind playing just because, like, he brings it up. Like, he's very aware that no matter no matter what really happened in that game, the, the fact that he's already, like, turning the page and looking forward to just – it doesn't really, like, ruin their – their mentality or what they've been able to do lately, they know that they just need to run the table. So I'll, I'll play the JT Miller clip real quick here, and then uh, we'll just react to it on the other side. Uh, I need every point. There are not much changes for us. Uh, it's pretty unrealistic to think you're going to win 13 games in a row to get in the playoffs. So uh, got a point, came back, came from behind there. Everybody's, uh, we played a lot of hockey. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, that's that team plays really hard. Uh, they pushed us all the way to the end. We got a lot of chances there at the end that easily could have went, but a lot of chances in the second where we could have kind of broke the game open. Our goalie played really well tonight, uh, but nothing really changes for us. We got to run the tables no matter what. So that was JT Miller talking, uh, and you know you assume those duties would have fallen on Bo Horvat uh, if he was back. So JT Miller, obviously the one that spoke last night after that game, and he's right, Chris. Like he's absolutely right. You you have to run the table, and you have to you know just turn the page and control what you can control. And for the Canucks. That's winning every game. They've got one game against the LA Kings, as we pointed out. And Chris, that game could have massive implications on the Canucks, uh, you know, playoff hopes because that's the Kings' last game of the season. Canucks have won the day after as well. It sets it up like to to make the Edmonton game be huge. And you mentioned it uh, as we before we started recording here because I was like, oh, maybe Edmonton, you know, if the situation presents itself where the Canucks do run the table in these three games and set up that back to back to be like. So much fun for Canucks fans, for Canucks media, for the players, obviously. That could be so much fun. If they win these three games, we are cooking, baby. Like that's that that back to back is gonna be so wild to watch. Should just be electric in the Rogers Arena against the Kings, which I'll be in the stands for. I'm going to that one as a fan. Uh, which I mean, will be my first game uh, in the new apartment. So a quick little uh, commute down to the to the arena. That's gonna be nice. Um so to go to go set yourself up for that position, to make that back-to-back that much fun, it's like, man, I, I we can't like look forward to it just yet because they need these three wins. Yeah, They need to win their next three games, which is a lot to ask already. But if they can do it, man, it can be a lot of fun here to see what this team can able to do to make fun hockey, important games in April, and set you up to even have games in May. Like It's, it's wild to think that the Canucks have been able to get to this point. And do you, do you think that... Like I, I know it's going to take them to get into the playoffs to even get votes, but does Bruce Boudreaux get Jack Adams votes if he gets in? Like, does he get legitimate votes? Is like a does he fit into the top five? 
yeah. the league for coaching if the Canucks get in, even if they just get in and get, get swept anything, like get swept by Colorado, whatever it is. Like, or I guess they'd be in Pacific. Anyways, if they get swept in the first round by whoever. doesn't matter. It you doesn't really matter. Playoffs. He probably gets votes. Yep. But what you mentioned, I, I didn't get to it there. Edmonton in that final game, I was thinking they're probably going to rest, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl. But if the Canucks win those four games going into it, is that the team that Edmonton wants to play? Or does Edmonton give their best effort in game 82 of the year, even though they have a playoff spot locked up because they don't want to face the Vancouver Canucks. If they can beat the Canucks in that final game and play the Kings instead, you brought it up. Like, I think that you're right. I think they might like game 82 might be important to the Oilers too, because they might not want to play the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to face that. Jemko in the playoffs. If I'm the Oilers, you're losing the goaltending matchup. And what's the deal here if they start playing Edmonton? We're traveling, right? We're, get, uh, I think so. we're going I'm, to I'm going to be in Edmonton for that last game. That's right. I'll be at morning skate, but I think I'm going to be going to that game as a fan, so you're going to have to cover it. <laughs> That's true. We'll see, though. But either way, we got our Oilers. What, what are the frick? I forget what they're called. The Oily Boys. You forgot about the Oily Boys for a sec? Yeah, wow. thank God. It's been. It's nice to forget about those <laughs> that, that stupid name of theirs. Um the Oily Boys are going to set us up then if they play Edmonton in the first yeah, round. Yeah, we're going to go up to Edmonton and be covering that series. <sighs> That'd be sweet. That would be sweet. Well, like I said, it's it's funny to like think, but it's easy to to just like for us and to think about it, like to get so excited for that back to back to finish the season. Still, like you need the three wins, unfortunately. Like you, you need these three wins just from how you played throughout the year. Like I think back of that three game losing streak under Boudreaux, even. And obviously, the first 25 games have gotten you into this position, but little bits throughout the season where they lost points and everything, it, it really does add up. And that's why I think we talked about it so much. It's like losing points to Buffalo, losing points to Arizona, losing points to these bad teams in the NHL. They, they catch you at the end of the year. And the Canucks now are just back against the wall, need to fight off everything like to get to this point. But it starts with these three wins. And it's possible. Like, it really is. And I think even losing to Ottawa might help. Like, it might help you kind of get that loss off your sheet now to just go out there and play your best hockey. But the bodies that you're missing, like, there is so much stacked against them. It's going to be interesting to see. But it's got to start with the three wins here. And tough three wins. Like I said, I think you got to lean on Thatcher Demko to be the MVP right now in these next three games. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, we're only at 40 minutes. Do you have anything to add? I'll go quickly on uh, quickly to Abbotsford here, uh, who are two points up now, uh, holding on to that fourth spot in the Pacific Division of the AHL. Uh, looks like it's going to be Mikey DiPietro riding out potentially the rest of the season here. Uh, Archer Seelaw should get the call back up uh, to the AHL. I haven't had that confirmed yet. I'm going to try and work on that today. Uh, that Seelaw's will be back up with the AHL Canucks. Uh, but a lot of pressure on Mikey DiPietro, and that's going to be it's going to be interesting because this. I guess we can sort of what do you call it? Dovetail or Ducktail? Ducktail is the show. Dovetail it into uh, prospects report. Is that what they say? Have you heard that before? <laughs> For some reason, I have. Ducktails is the show. I know yeah, that. Ducktails is the show. It's not Ducktail. It's Dovetail uh, into somewhat of a prospects report because Mikey DiPietro is going to be like relied upon to be the starter now with with Spencer Martin getting the call up. Obviously, before the HL playoffs, and you'll have Martin back there. But DiPietro's last three starts. You seen this? My tweet: nine fifty eight save percentage over his last three starts. I don't think you got the dovetail thing right. What do you mean? Well, I'm googling it, and it's a thing in woodworking. Oh, 
A dovetail is a joins in woodworking where two sides are fitted together with interlocking pieces. That's what it means. It's to dovetail into something. Okay. Oh, so you're, oh, you're okay. Like attaching two things together to fit together as a whole. It okay. Says. Maybe you used it to, yeah. Okay. Good job. I look up, I Google this as an intransitive verb. Dovetail into. Yeah, that's a thing. I think so. Anyway. Sorry. Carry it's on. It's not Pietro playing his best hockey. Is it time to hit the button? Is it time uh, to hit the button or how long are you going to go on about Mike? Not very much here. Okay. I don't want to do too much. Go ahead. Here. But I'll, I'll talk about what Alvin said uh, about the prospects a little bit too, which you'll see in the article for uh, Canucks.com. But it's going to be Mikey time for the last five games here, which are really important games for Abbotsford because they want to host, right? It's not like they're just playing out the rest of the season and, and you know cruising into the playoffs. They need to host those games. They want to have that three-game series be out in Abbotsford, and now it's all on Mikey DiPietro's shoulders. And this is what Patrick Alvin basically told me, which you'll see in the article. He was excited for the pressure and forcing young guys into leadership, whether it be the players that he mentioned like uh, Jack Rathbone, Will Lockwood, he even brought up Vasily Podkolzin. Those players are obviously going to be ones who have to lead, but even to finish off this season, now you're asking Mikey DiPietro to basically be the guy that you were hoping he was going to be at the start of the year, to be the number one guy. Like You would have wanted Mikey to play these final five games of the season. You're going to get that now in the AHL, and it's important games. They're only two points up with five games remaining. Both them and Bakersfield have five games remaining. They have one more against Bakersfield. So... These five games are huge, and Abbotsford's been playing ridiculously good hockey. It's like 29-9-2 is their record since middle of January. They've been the hottest team in the AHL. Now you're going to throw it back on Mikey DiPietro, who's been excellent throughout that stretch as well. I mentioned almost a 960 save percentage his last three starts, so watch him ride. Like He might be the guy who you ride through the playoffs if he has a really good stretch of games here to finish out the season, and then you want to see the young players continue to work. Like I, I'm I think everyone has kind of realized this at this point, but Jack Rathbone's not coming up to the NHL this year. He's going to finish out the rest of the year in the AHL, unless there's like an injury to somebody, right? Like Rathbone is going to finish in the AHL and he's been playing consistent, really good hockey. So like, let him, let him go down there and let him continue to play. Pod Colson's going to be so fun when he gets down there, but I want to see what happens in, you know, when Pod Colson joins that team, what happens to Danila Klimovich when playoffs happen? Like what is the type of playoff performer that we see from Danila Klimovich. What type of playoff performer is Vasily Podkolzin in the AHL? Like, I think he's going to be... I think Podkolzin... In all likelihood that the Vancouver Canucks don't make the playoffs and Podkolzin goes down, Podkolzin's going to be ridiculous to watch. Like, it is going to be so fun to watch him just physically dominate, have his skill be something that shines. Like, I can't wait to see Podkolzin play in the AHL here soon. Uh, but the other names that'll be interesting, like the defense core is going to be strong, but the forward group coming back, whether it be Sheldon Dries or Will Lockwood, watch those guys come back to the AHL and be even better players after this little stint in the NHL. Cause I think they've shown pretty well, like Sheldon Dries setting up Elias Pettersson the other night, really good play there, obviously by Sheldon Dries. I was a little surprised to see him in overtime uh, last night against Ottawa, especially as we're kind of on the topic of pod Colson. Why does pod Colson not get Nick a little Patan bit of run in the there? shootout over pod Colson? That was surprising. Yeah, that one didn't surprise me as much, to be honest. Just like a skilled guy. Like, that's co- sort of Patan's book there. Okay. I guess. Like, that one didn't surprise me. But I thought with, with some open ice, it's something that Travis Green never did. was like play a Huglander in open ice or Pod Colson in open ice on three on three or four on four. But the way Pod Colson's been playing lately, I thought it was a little surprising to see the AHL call-up guy 
in Sheldon Drysdale chance, who I love. I think he's a great scorer in the AHL. Just a little surprising to uh, to see that one for sure. All right, I guess I'll add uh, to the prospects report. Well, okay, you add, then I'll say uh, I talked to Adam Gaudet yesterday too. Okay, I know it's out there already, but um, (laughs) the Canucks don't really think Aiden McDonough is going to get better at Northeastern this year. Uh, I I know the report's already out there that they don't agree with the decision, but uh, now I can confirm it with my own two ears that the Canucks are really... They they do not think that uh, McDonough's going to get better. Yeah, the, the the rumors I heard was like, what is there more for him to prove? Exactly. Right? So that's what I've heard on the situation. I don't know what's... And improve on. What are you going to improve on at 23? Right? No, I mean, like, he... Now, the only way that you can, like, really be honestly, like, and, and it's his choice. He wants to go back, whether it be to contribute to Northeastern or if he has something to prove to himself. But the only thing he can, like, prove right now and to look at his season as, like, a real success is two things. Like, he's got to win the national championship with Devin Levi backstopping him, who obviously is going to be huge for that team, or be the best scorer in the nation because that should be the expectation for Aiden McDonough next year is that he should be number one in NCAA goals. Like he should be that he's proven at that point that if he is going to make improvements and come back for his senior year, that's the expectation. Now, like I, we, we talked to him last year before the season started and we were like, Hey, do you have like a goal for, or like a, a I guess like, yeah, a goal for how many goals you're going to score. And he wouldn't tell us, but I think he hit it this year. His goal for next year has to be, and he might not say it. He might, we'll talk to him in the off season about it, but he might say it he should be the NCAA leading goal scorer. And then he should come out and he should hopefully jump right into the NHL. Because I think the expectation was if he signs this year, he probably starts in the A next year and potentially works his way into some NHL games. Now the expectation is different as a senior where he should sign. He should be right into the NHL if he's that player. Because you mentioned it, 23 years old. He's not 20. He's not one of these 19-year-olds who goes to Michigan for a season and then comes out start scoring in the NHL like Maddie Beneers is doing right now or something like that. Like higher, there should be higher expectations because of his decision to not come out this year. Final thing for me on the prospect support, Archdeep Baines uh, finishes top of the WHL scoring race. Chris, uh, you know, Connor Bedard really likes him. Connor Bedard's still a very open Canucks fan, which is very funny because I wonder at what age Connor Bedard's going to stop talking so publicly about how much he loves the Canucks. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Archdeep Baines finishes uh, atop the WHL scoring race. As soon as the Red Deer Rebels are eliminated from the playoffs, Canucks can obviously sign him to uh, an AHL tryout, I believe. Yes, but don't expect to see that. Uh, I don't expect him to. St- I don't expect to see Baines in the AHL playoffs this year. I expect him to be at camp next year. Uh, continue to work with a lot of the Canucks offseason staff that he's already pretty familiar with. Uh, I know that I can't pronounce the guy's last name, but their skills coach, Yogi, uh, it's a tough one to pronounce, and I can't remember it exactly at this point, but he has worked with him. Uh, let's call him Coach Yogi since he was, uh, since he was, I think, like 10 years old, and he remembers like going to Canucks games with him uh, and, and a lot of things like that. He's a, a coach that obviously Baines is going to continue to work with in the offseason here. So he's already got a lot of good connections with the organization, and it'll be good to see him come into camp next year. Like he, he's... 
he's one of those guys where you're excited for training camp, obviously, every year because it's about to get the season going. But for me, it's really exciting to, you know, like this past year, see how Jet Wu looks when he's skating with NHL players. See how Danila Klimovich looks like when he was moving the puck with NHL players or playing in scrimmage. That's what I need to see with Arshdeep Baines is like, does he take NHL passes like he should? Does he... Does he move well enough to think that there's some potential there? Like he's a player that's going to be really fun to watch next year at training camp. So like in a similar boat to me, almost as like a Danila Klimovich again next year, where there should be like we were we had flashes this training camp of like, wow, look at Danila Klimovich. There was the one scrimmage where it was like, is Klimovich ready for the NHL? Like there was a lot of hype around that. You hope that you can see a similar thing uh, from Baines at this next next year's uh, training camp to get the season going. Yogi Svechkovsky. Right. Svechkovsky, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Point Roberts lives in Point Roberts. Long time. Old, uh, uh, with John the Tortorella. I want, he must have moved, right? Like he, he lived in Point Roberts. Where, you know, he was a coach at the Delta Academy mm-hmm. before. But he, he must have moved, right? Yeah, probably. Or did he pull the torts? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know, man. You see Yogi at Rogers Arena all the time. Yeah. You see him all the time. Okay. Skills work, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else in the prospect report? Ready to close it out? No, a little bit slower uh, this week. Not a lot of uh, international friendlies going on. Not a lot of SHL action for Canucks prospects. Um, I'm going to try and look a little bit more into uh, Linus Carlson. Uh, just kind of another dive into what he's done so far in the playoffs. Going to get some work done um, on the on the the J20 performances by uh, Jonathan Meyerberg and Lucas Forcell. Um, and I'll get some work on that too. I'm going to also have a scouting with favor uh, return here probably sometime next week uh, about and Marco Casper. So weekly prospect uh, round. Yeah, we coming. might do something like that uh, pretty quick here. Just want to mention, like I know Adam Goddard scores the goal and he's whatever, but like you know, I loved dealing with Adam Goddard, which is like what happens. I love dealing with a player. Colin gets traded. <laughs> Jonah Gadjevich, best guy ever, gets traded. Adam Goddard gets traded. All these things like that. Or sorry, the other guy's lost in. Uh, in the whatever it doesn't matter you know what i'm saying they're gone but with zach McEwen gone away you know what i'm saying these players everyone i like it's gone but adam got at uh reached out uh last night to him just to to say you know nice goal buddy even though he didn't play the second half of the game (laughs) he played four minutes of ice time and he said it was really good to hear uh hear from us and hope that we're doing well over here in vancouver so still still very nice guy adam got at um Though people obviously don't like him for certain reasons, and, <laughs> and then him scoring the shootout goal didn't help either last night. But uh, yeah, I had to. It's funny because I have all my like Canucks memes. I have like my Canucks memes album. I have so many Adam Goddard pictures. You had that locked and loaded, the one of him at the wedding. With oh Michaela. yeah, that was easy. And then like I was just sitting there, I'm like, am I gonna get a freaking email here or a freaking phone call from somebody? And I was like, I can't get one here. This is a former player. Yeah. Well, not it's, first of all, the Canucks aren't gonna reach out to you. But second of yeah. all. I'm 100% sure Goddard saw that and laughed. Oh, yeah. The fact that he, like, messaged back and was, like, laughing quite a bit. Uh, yeah. Do miss that. I always think that's my... I think I tweeted it out, like, when, when he... That time I asked him a question. He's, like, surprised it wasn't a Warzone question with you. And then the next week, he scores the shootout winner and had to ask him the Warzone question. One of my favorite uh, favorite times and favorite players to deal also, with. Also, I saw someone tweet out yesterday. They were like, there's two things Adam Goddard's good at spreading covid and playing warzone and i was like get out of here and then he scores the yeah scores the winner so good at shootouts too yep just saying. always had that skill. also last thing he got that move from ian clark and yeah. and got at said post game that he was surprised that demko wasn't cheating on it since he practiced it so many times on demko yeah <laughs> just ian clark damn ian clark the guy is too good <laughs> 
too good for his own good. Okay, uh, we'll close it out there. Uh, for my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?